MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Nightcap on VSN, the sports betting network. Hour number two of the nightcap right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. For those of you guys out there on the East Coast, well, it is an hour away from Christmas. For those of us out here out West, we've still got about four hours remaining. And unfortunately, we weren't able we weren't able to unwrap some gifts early today because, well, there were no games really to bet with regards to North American sports. You could have really, really went exotic and Went with like some Korean basketball, and I'm not even kidding. There were a couple of South Korean basketball games that were actually played on Christmas Eve, but I mean, that's about it. So we're just looking forward and trying to be able to put a little bit of money into your stocking on Christmas. And now we're going to be taking a look at some college basketball. We wound up hitting on the NFL in the first hour, and have no fear if you wound up missing that. For one, you've got just the option of being able to download the podcast wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, what have you, the Visa Bets Bets podcast. You're able to listen back to our number one where I wound up doing my analysis for both games that we've got on the NFL Saturday board with regards to Packers versus Browns along Colts versus Cardinals. But here in our number two, going to be taking a big look at the hardwood and 
We've got four games that are going to be going down when it comes to college basketball out there with the Diamond Egg Classic. And we're going to be starting with Wyoming versus South Florida. Right now, South Florida is finding themselves as a 7-point underdog at DraftKings. You're able to find this as high as 8 in some spots. I'm seeing at Circa where I'm at right now. They've got an 8 hanging up there. You've got a couple 7.5s, and this is a line in which it wound up opening in a lot of spots, more around an 8. So we've seen quite a bit of movement when it comes to this game. Total, it has ticked up a little bit. Right now, you're finding it at a 122. It wound up opening up a 121.5. And And when it comes to this game, I'm going to be taking a look at the over, which is going to be something very intriguing. I'm going to be diving in in a few minutes just what it comes down to. When you take a look at some of these teams that have been very prolific to the under end with South Florida, they certainly have been one of them. This is a South Florida team that they have played out of their 11 games, one game to the over, and guess what? It was their last one that they wanted playing against Hawaii. You do have a, a Wyoming team that they themselves are right around 280th when it comes to possessions per game. When it comes to this Wyoming team, they have been one of the more efficient offenses in all of college basketball. When it comes to points scored on a per possession basis, this team has been very good. You've got Graham EK in the post. They will give you 18 and a half points, nine and a half rebounds per game. And it's been really intriguing to watch Hunter Maldonado take over the point guard role of this team. Not a guy that shoots it very well from three point range, but an absolute stat sheet suffer right around 17 points, five plus rebounds with regards to assists per game. He's able to give you right around five of those as well. Wyoming, 38th in the country with regards to points guard on a per possession basis, despite the fact that they as a collective, they don't shoot bad from three-point range. They don't necessarily light it up either. So I think that that has been really interesting to watch, and they've been much better at home when it comes to their offensive efficiency. That makes sense because they're playing at massive elevation, obviously, teams. They're not necessarily so used to that. But I did mention it a little bit earlier when it comes to South Florida and how good of an under team that they're going to be getting into. So we're going to make this a little bit more of a manifesto here and just discussing what makes for a very good under team. South Florida has been towards the top of the list this year. They have played out of their 11 games, one game to the over. That is the second highest under rate in all of college basketball. The team is number one. That would be Eastern Illinois. I think I've found something that really correlates very heavily to teams that wind up playing a bunch of unders and teams that just in general wind up, or I should say, teams that really do a great job to the under and the set that winds up correlating with it. And that would be something that you don't need to necessarily go off the beaten path for too much. That'd be three-point shooting percentage. When you take a look at South Florida, they are shooting as a collective 23.4% from three-point range out of 358 D1 schools. Guess what? That winds up clocking in at number 356. IUPUI is in the top five when it comes to underrate. This is a team that, when it comes to their underrate, they have played out of their 10 games, nine of them. To the under. So they're number three. Eastern Illinois is actually number one with regards to under eight, but IUPUI, this is a team that, as a collective, they are shooting from three point range in the bottom 20 in all of college basketball as well. They are 349th at 25.5%. Hampton is another team that has been in the top 10 with regards to under eight. They are 345th in college basketball. They're shooting at 26.6% from three point range. I mentioned the top team when it comes to unders in all of college basketball, and that'd be Eastern Illinois. They're, oh boy. 300 or 283rd out of 358 D1 teams. And you'll notice that with Eastern Illinois, they want to bring in Marty Simmons, who used to be the coach over there at Evansville. So you wind up seeing just a complete and utter overhaul of the coaching staff there as well. And I think that that is really critical when it comes to trying to gauge some of these totals because we have seen a lot of teams that have been very good to the under slash the over. 
just be teams that in general they wound up seeing a little bit of a regime change it's not necessarily the case for this one but if you were to guess who the number one defense at all of college basketball is right now just in terms of a points allowed on a per possession basis who would you think i'm sure that you wouldn't have guessed coming into the season that it's lsu a team that notoriously has been a very good over team but We've seen with Will Wade, he's got a little bit of a different team in general. They were expecting to have Adam Miller, a transfer from Illinois, a legitimate top 50 prospect when he wanted coming out of high school about two years ago. He winds up going down with an injury. His season was done. So this has been a team that they've really relied upon. Guys like Efton Reed down low. They've got some very good defense in the backcourt as well. And they've only played like two overs thus far this season. They have been one of your best teams to the under thus far. And it's really been amazing to be taking a look at that, but they themselves shoot right around 32% from three-point range. So they are another team that winds up fitting the mold of being a team that is not necessarily so hot when it comes to three-point range. And some of these teams, they're just really, really stinking slow. And that's why you wind up seeing a bunch of unders. You take a look at a team like Southern Illinois. They are actually in the bottom five in all of college basketball when it comes to possessions per game. They're ahead of... They're playing with fewer possessions per game than Liberty. Liberty is a team that we're going to be talking about a little bit later on in the hour, but I mean, Liberty is known for just slowing things down to a just screeching halt. And yet Southern Illinois has been playing slower than them, so you've been seeing them really come through with regards to the unders. Really the only team that I've found that has been a big outlier with regards to underrate and being able to shoot solidly from three-point range is Jacksonville. Jacksonville is a collective. They shoot right around 35.5-36% from three-point range, but yet they have played just one over and seven unders. The big reason why, Jacksonville, on a per-possession basis, they are in the top 10 in all of college basketball with regards to turnovers. It is really hard to score when you wind up having just a turnover on like one out of every one of your four possessions. And it's always something that I take a look at when it comes to over and underrate as well, because you take a look at some of these best teams to the over thus far this year. Kansas, St. Francis of Pennsylvania, Cornell, Manhattan, Columbia. A lot of these teams, they do a good job of not turning the ball over. You're in and you're out. Iowa plays a bunch of overs. The reason why Iowa plays a bunch of overs isn't necessarily because this team plays at a breakneck pace. Yes, Iowa plays relatively fast, but the big thing with Iowa is that they play fast while committing like nine turnovers per game. It's absolutely remarkable to you to be able to watch them. It also helps when you wind up playing absolutely no defense whatsoever. So you've got that going on as well. But I think that that is just so critical when it comes to being able to gauge these unders, just what a team winds up doing with regards to their threes. And we also notice it with regards to three-point shooting, not necessarily the percentage that you shoot at, but just the amount of points that you wind up getting from three-point range. One of your better under teams this year has been UC Irvine, the Anteaters. And if you're wondering what noise the Anteater makes, Zot, zot. So shout out Ian McMillan right there. He does a terrific job with that. But when it comes to UC Irvine, this is a bunch of which they actually shoot relatively well from three-point range in the mid-30s. So they've been respectable there. They are 270th in the country with regards to the percentage of the points that wind coming from three-point range, though. So that is something that you always want to be taking a look at as well. You'll notice that these teams, that they really live and die by the three-point shot. Oftentimes, they are going to be teams that they are going to be a little bit more conducive to an over, or you just wind up having a really ice cold team like South Carolina, and that is a team that has been very good to the under. They've had nine unders to just two overs so thus far this year. You take a look at South Carolina, this is a team that they rank 282nd in the country with regards to the percentage of the points that they wind up getting from three-point range as well. They're just not a good outside shooting team in general, so even though they play fast, they play relatively inefficiently. You've got a team like North Texas, Tarleton State, both of these teams have been very good to the under, and you're going to find that 
A lot of these good under teams have been out there in the state of Texas. I mean, I just mentioned North Texas. Tarleton State has been in the bottom 10 with regards to possessions per game. They're out there in the great state of Texas. They have really been doing a good job of being able to slow things down to a screeching halt. So you've got a lot of teams out there in the state of Texas that apparently they like to be able to play some unders. So that has been really intriguing. But I think that that's very key in just taking a look at why some of these teams are so good to the under. A big reason why I'm going to be looking at the game with South Florida versus Wyoming over, though, is because of something that you've always got to be factoring as well. Free throw shooting. If you wind up having a scenario in which you wind up having something where the game is like six, seven points, what have you, with about a minute left to go, you know what that means. Hacks. Lots and lots of hacks. Guys going to the free throw line. That winds up just driving up these scores. And we wound up seeing it on display in Hawaii, ironically enough, yesterday. You wound up seeing in the Diamond Egg Classic, all four games wind up going over the total. So that has been just really intriguing in general. And when it comes to these neutral court games as well, something that I really noticed in just taking a look at these Diamond Egg Classic games, very, very forgiving rims. Because you have some of these balls that they wind up going off the bottom of the rim and they bounce way up and then it just winds up finding the bottom of the net. And that's something that you've got to be gauging as well. Like the battle for Atlantis has always been a spot in which I love taking a bunch of unders. Meanwhile, the Maui Invitational, you've got those just very soft, very friendly rims. And that has been always of consideration as well. And for South Florida, you now have two double-digit scorers for this team. You've had Javon Green wind up coming in from George Mason. He's been able to do a solid job being able to give you 10 points per game. You've had Caleb Murphy be able to step up, come to the forefront for this team with right around 13 points per game as well. So I do think that these guys are going to be able to fill in. And you've also been without seven-footer Russell Chua as well. I'm going to be talking about his significance, putting a little bit of a bow around South Florida and Wyoming on the other side and also continuing to take a look at the Diamond Eye Classic games that we're going to be having for this Christmas Day. That is going to be coming up next right here on the Nightcap on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. any part of our show or anything on the Beeson schedule today, don't forget to check out our free Sports Bank podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to Beeson.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gail Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, and my favorite, Coast to Coast Hoops with Greg Hoops, Peterson, and many, many more. They are all free, and they are all available now at vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, what have you. We've got you covered there as it is the nightcap right here on vcin, the Sports Bank Network. I very nearly said the wrong show name, but the minus 110 on me not saying the wrong show name is still alive and well, so have no fear there. I'm sure that the folks in the back are monitoring very, very closely on this one. I'm sure that there have been... Many wagers of a nice hamburger wagered on this one. But with that said, we've got to be wagering on some things that are going to be able to make us some real money here, like college basketball. We're taking a look at this South Florida versus Wyoming game. And with this one, I wound up setting South Florida as a five-point underdog. I wound up laying out a little bit earlier some of the backcourt pieces for the Seaman. Even though they are going to be without Russell Chua in all likelihood, 
for South Florida, a guy that is seven feet tall, winds up coming from Texas Tech. He's been able to give the team right around five or six rebounds per game. The team has actually been playing a little bit more up-tempo in the games without him. Jake Boggs has been coming in, and he's been able to do a relatively solid job when it comes to the team. And for South Florida, even though the record isn't gaudy, they're a game below 500. They've actually been a halfway decent cover team, which I find to be very intriguing just because the team is so slow when you wind up getting them as an underdog. They actually provide a lot of value. They're playing against a Wyoming team that similarly is a little bit slow, but what I think needs to be factored into the handicap of this one as well is that this is going to be a massive body clock game. This game is going to be tipping off if you're out there on the East Coast, 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. If you're out here on the West Coast, more on 10.30 a.m. These guys are currently in Hawaii. That means that it's an 8.30 a.m. local tip time, and I've talked to people that have played in the Diamond Egg Classic, have coached in it, what have you. When you wind up having to play in this very early game, guess what time you have to wake up at? 5 a.m. on Christmas. Does anyone want to play defense on Christmas when they had to wake up at 5 a.m.? I don't think so. I think that this is a very good spot for the over. I want to say this total at 125. So even though we've seen the total come up a little bit, I do like it. And I do think what else is going to be key for the South Florida team being able to hang in there because I wanted to setting this line more around about a five-ish myself is going to be able to get a little bit more out of some of the backcourt pieces of this team because I do think that Javon Green is going to be able to do a good job as be able to give this team a couple seals. But you've noticed a little bit more DJ Patrick recently. I think that he's going to be able to emerge. He's only been about a 25% three-point shooter in South Florida in general. Hasn't necessarily been terrific from three-point range, but I think that he's going to be able to give you a relatively solid effort. So I take a look at this game. I'm looking at the over, and I'm looking to take the points when it comes to South Florida. And I will say, if you're seeing a seven or eight now, jump around because I'm seeing a lot of seven halves, and I'm even seeing some straight eights out there as well. We've got the next game to cover when it comes to Diamond Egg Classic. That'd be 843, 844 on the betting board. That would be Northern Iowa is going to be doing battle with Hawaii. So this is going to be pretty much a true road game for Northern Iowa. Seeing a few straight four and a halfs out there. This actually opened up here at Circa with Northern Iowa being a four-point favorite. I wound up gobbling that up right away. Now you're finding it anywhere between four and a half and five in your tournament game. Getting it anywhere between a 138. Seeing that at DraftKings. A lot of other places, you're getting more around a 138 and a half and a 139 and a half. And I do take a look at this total under when it comes to Northern Iowa. They just haven't necessarily been playing to their identity. When you take a look at Northern Iowa, just in past years, this has always been a team that has played very slow when they've really had success being able to make the NCAA tournament and be able to win games in the NCAA tournament. Typically, they find themselves more around like 320, 325 with regards to possessions on a per-game basis. This is a team that they're inside the top 225 with regards to possessions per game. Now, it doesn't sound like they're necessarily playing at warp speed or anything like that, but for Northern Iowa... This is much faster than normal. They wound up seeing a little bit of a tempo shift last season, but I think that that was because they wound up having a star scorer, A.J. Green, out of the fold this year. It's just a little bit more befuddling in general. They were dealing with an injury to Austin Fife, a gentleman that said 6'9", is able to bury about 50% of his threes. But with that said, this is... And I've been told in my ear that this game has been canceled. So we are going to be moving on. That is incredibly unfortunate. And you have to be listed on ESPN, so... That is not great. So there is no money to be made here. I was on a very good manifesto, though. So at the very least, I will give myself that. It's one of those things where they pop in the air and it's like, yeah, Yo, you've got to be kidding me. So that is a little bit of a bummer. With that said, next up, we do have Liberty versus BYU. So this is going to be a game that I don't think is going to be getting canceled. As This is game number 845, 846 on the betting board. And 
when it comes to this one. Right now, we're seeing Liberty anywhere between an 8.5 and, and a 9-point underdog. And you're finding this total at a 132.5. Boy, hopefully this game does not wind up getting canceled. But with that said, you've got a BYU team that has been relatively solid all season long. I want to saying them. Personally, as an 8.5 point favorite, I want to take in a 9 early with Liberty. And here at 8.5, I'd be willing to take the 8.5 points with Liberty before I'd be willing to lay the 8.5 just because with BYU, we have been seeing some turnover wolves wind up happening with this team. When it comes to BYU, they've been very good with regards to Alex Barcelo just doing everything for this team. I mean, he shoots 48.5% from three-point range. Has been absolutely magnificent with that aspect. You've been able to have a couple guys down low. Do a solid job for this team. Gideon George has been able to give you seven rebounds. He's been a very good Juco transfer for this team. Caleb Lawner has been able to give you right around eight points, seven rebounds per game as well. So these guys have been able to step up and they've been able to do a good job. But then for Liberty, you've got a walking bucket in Darius McGee. Darius McGee is right now averaging a little bit over 21 points per game. Had 41 points in the team's loss against Sanford a few days ago, shooting in the mid-30s from three-point range. And that's what you can expect out of Liberty. Now, when it comes to Liberty, this is a team that they're going to get bludgeoned on the glass a little bit. This is a team that they don't necessarily have ideal size. And outside of McGee, they don't necessarily have, I would call them necessarily good number two options. But you've got sort of a team that outside of McGee, in which a hole is greater than the sum of its parts. You've got a guy in Keegan McDowell that shoots 45.5% from three-point range. He's been able to chip in there right around 10 points per game, so he is the biggest form of support to Mr. McGee. This is a Liberty team that year in and year out, they are always super slow. They are now in the bottom 30 with regards to possessions per game in all of college basketball. And typically, they're actually more around the bottom 10, so this is actually fast for them. I think that they're going to look to slow this game down to a crawl. What I think is going to be really key is that you've actually been getting some good facilitation out of a little bit of an unlikely source. That'd be Kyle Rode. Rode is someone that stands right around six foot six. Very good Swiss Army knife combo player. Five points, three and a half rebounds, three point three assists per game. So he does a good job of being able to chip in there. And for Liberty, this has been a team that has been a little bit better at forcing turnovers than they have in past seasons as well. They're generating right around fourteen turnovers per game. When you consider the pace that they wind up playing at, that's really impressive. You saw them wind up. You saw them wind up being able to cause. So many turnovers in that game against Sanford. They were able to rack up 23 of them. The only reason why Sanford wound up winning that game, and we're going to be getting to that Sanford game on the other side, is that Sanford wound up shooting 12 of 20 from three-point range. And Sanford is a relatively solid three-point shooting team, but I mean, Murphy's Law wound up hitting Liberty on that game. You wound up having a three-quarters court shot, wind up going nothing but net in that game. And that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, we started to know what's going to be happening here. And for BYU, I think it's really intriguing with them that you have been seeing these totals set a little bit higher with them, and I don't necessarily agree with them. BYU has been able to play right around six overs, five unders, and a push, depending on your closing numbers. For some people, this is more like six and six, but the reason why you've had a lot of the overs wind up getting there for BYU is because, for one, late game fouling, and two, you've had them play a couple games in overtime, so you've had a couple outliers with them. I do think that this is a BYU team that, at their core, they're looking to play a little bit more defense. And to BYU's credit, this has been a top 35 team with regards to three-point scoring defense in all of college basketball. Opponents are shooting sub-30% from distance against them, so they've been able to do a relatively solid job there. Now for Liberty, a big thing with this team is that they don't necessarily get to the free throw line. They are 307th in the country with regards to free throws made, and this has been a team that they found themselves ahead in quite a few games. So it is a team which, because of their style, because they do wind up taking a lot of threes, they aren't necessarily going to get to the free throw line too much in this game. As a matter of fact, when it comes to Liberty, with regards to the percentage of their shots that they take from three-point range, that is over 50% of them. They are one of just 
15 D1 teams that take more than 50% of their shots from three-point range, which I do find to be very intriguing. But I do think what is going to be helping out Liberty is the fact that they do force a lot of turnovers. I think that this is going to be a little bit more of a grimy game. I think that this is going to be a little bit more of a slow game. And I think that just the unfamiliar style in general of Liberty is going to wind up taking a little bit of effect on BYU. We've seen BYU struggle with teams that they just are playing a little bit of a way that you wouldn't expect. You wound up seeing BYU lose outright a few weeks ago to a Utah Valley team that actually had the top rebounder in all of college basketball in Fadas Amek. They've got a little bit of an intriguing style themselves. So I think that this Liberty team is going to be able to throw BYU in for a loop. Like I said, I want up setting my line at 8.5. At the 8.5 that we're seeing right now at DraftKings, I'd be looking to take the points before I'd be looking to lay them with BYU. I think the Liberty are going to get back to basics. This is a team that I think is going to be playing very slow. I think that they're going to look to slow this game down to a screeching halt. So I take a look at the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the points when it comes to Liberty and coming up next. What I'm going to be taking a look at is Vanderbilt versus Stanford. That is going to be going down in Hawaii on Christmas, and we're going to give you that preview next right here on the Nightcap on VSIN. Esports Bank Network. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We have a new prop tracker now available at vsin.com for you to be able to keep up with all the key NFL props. Head over to vsin.com to get current odds as well as the movement each week. Be able to follow trends and find the best value. You're able to do this for odds to be able to win MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and so much more. Check out Prop Tracker, betting splits, key trends, and matchup data for every single game. That is now at vsin.com slash NFLs. We're back here on the nightcap with myself, Greg Peterson, and We've got a lot to be able to take a look at with regards to Christmas Day. Unfortunately, we are now one game shorter because, unbeknownst to me, we wound up having Northern Iowa and Hawaii wind up getting canceled while I was doing the preview for that in the last segment. So if you're looking for a nice laugh on Christmas Eve, hopefully my face when I wound up hearing that that wound up getting canceled was a little bit of joy for you because I was like, what the world is going on here? It's like when I want, it's like, if you wind up watching any of those Christmas movies, regardless of if it's A Wonderful Life, if it's Elf, what have you, the main character is always sad when it looks like Christmas has been taken away. That was me when I found out Hawaii versus Northern Iowa wound up getting canceled. So we've got that. But, but fortunately, we do wind up having one more game to be able to break down as we already took a look at the BYU game that's going to be going down, BYU versus Liberty, along with South Florida and the fact that they're going to be playing against Wyoming. So we've got the title game to be able to take a look at. This is going to be 847-848 between Stanford and Vanderbilt. Right now, Vanderbilt is finding themselves a two-point favorite pretty much across the board. And your total on this game, and between 135 and 135.5. And, and this is a game which I wanted setting Vanderbilt as a four-point favorite. Now, had this been about two weeks ago, I would have probably been making this line more around a two, two and a half-ish, but the reason why I wound up upgrading Vanderbilt is, for one, they just have looked really good in this multi-team event, this Hawaii Diamond Egg Classic, and for two, they now have a big cog back for them. That'd be Rodney Chapman. Rodney Chapman was a projected starter for the team, and it's not like he's one off for big stats or anything like that. He's been back for three games. He's given the team three points, two assists per game, so 
not laying the world on fire with that aspect, but you can tell that the defense for this Vanderbilt team, just with them being out there, it has been much more relentless. They have held two out of the three opponents that they played to 54 points or fewer. The only reason why BYU wound up being able to get some more points is that you did wind up having a little bit of a harebrained situation towards the end of that game, but you take a look at what Vanderbilt is doing with regards to being able to guard the three-point arc. They've been able to do a solid job ever since Jamon wound up getting out there, and he's someone that winds up coming in from Dayton. Never has really been a prolific scorer. Was never really much more than a eight, nine-point-per-game scorer while he was at Dayton, but a guy that does a good job of being able to give you a couple of assists, so really a glue guy this is, that this team needed, and when it comes to Vanderbilt as well, it's been a team that has been needing a little bit of depth, and now he provides a little bit more of that. You've also had Shane DeZoni be able to step up for the team. He's only been able to give the team three and a half points per game, but in this event out there in Hawaii, he's been able to give the team a combined 13 points, and if you're taking a look at the three games that you've been able to have Chapman back out there, he's been able to score a combined 20 points, so he has been a nice find for the team, a six foot five freshman that is a relatively solid three-point shooter. He's right now shooting 57%. I can tell you right now, that is not going to be holding the rest of the season, but certainly has been big for Vanderbilt. And when it comes to Sanford, the only reason why they are finding themselves in this game is because Sanford wound up in their game against Liberty on Thursday, wound up shooting 12 of 20 from three-point range. And this is a Sanford team that they're a relatively solid three-point shooting team. They make about 35% of them. They aren't going 12 for 20 from three-point range once again in this game. I feel very secure about that. And if they do, I will gladly take the loss and I'll chalk it up as an outlier and I will move on because sometimes that just winds up happening when it comes to sports betting. Teams wind up getting ridiculously hot. You can do all the handicapping in the world, but there's really no way that you could anticipate a team shooting north of 50% from three-point range on 23-point shots. So that's just one of those things where you just say it is what it is. But when it comes to Sanford, Obviously, the key for this team is going to be Harrison Ingram. Ingram has been a very versatile and a solid player for this team. He's only shooting about 31% from three-point range himself, and you take a look at Vanderbilt's, among their top five scorers, four of them are shooting 31% or worse from three-point range. So it's been really intriguing to see guys like Maximine Radon, who is seven foot one, shoot 50% from three-point range. You've had someone like an Eyes. Isaiah Silva be able to shoot right around 58% from three-point range. And I just don't think that this is necessarily going to be sustainable for them. But when it comes to Harrison Ingram, 12 and a half points, seven rebounds, three assists, good statues suffer for the team. The big thing with Sanford, though, they commit 15 and a half turnovers per game, and they don't generate a lot of turnovers. They're getting a little bit over five seals per game. I think that they are going to get bludgeoned in that aspect. Because something that I've noticed with Vanderbilt is that ever since they wound up getting Chapman back out there on the floor, they've been able to do a good job of BL4 turnovers. BYU wound up having 19 turnovers in the game that they wound up playing on Thursday. Now Brandon Angel, I think, is going to be able to take a little bit of pressure off of Stanford. He's been able to shoot right around 41% for three, seven half points per game. And Spencer Jones has all of a sudden come to play. He was really disappointing towards the beginning part of the season. In these last two games, he's been able to combine for 40 points. 12 rebounds, so he's been living up to his billing much, much more. But for Vanderbilt, they've got the best guard out there on the floor. That would be one, Scotty Pippen Jr. Yes, the son of that, Scotty Pippen. He last year was in the top three in all of college basketball with regards to free throws attempted on a per-game basis. This year it slipped a little bit, but he's still giving the team five and a half free throw attempts per game, so he does a good job of being able to get to the line. He's been really the heart and soul of this team. 18 points, right around four rebounds, two and a half assists, two steals, so... 
He contributes in a wide variety of ways, but the two guys behind him out there in the front court have really been able to do their part as well. You've got Jordan Wright along with Miles Stute. These two guys combined for a little bit over 20 points per game. Wright has been missed right for this team. How about a little bit over six rebounds and a steal per game? He only shoots about 30% from three-point range. Meanwhile, Stute, he is a little bit more of the versatile piece for this team. 41.5% three-point shooting. This is a Vanderbilt team that they themselves don't turn the ball over a whole heck of a lot. They turn the ball over right around 12 times per game, so they do a good job there. And when it comes to the tempo of both of these teams, both of these teams are right around, I would say, about the mid-250s with regards to possessions per game. So both of these teams are looking to feel each other out. Both of these teams are looking to play a little bit more slow. So I did wind up saying this total at 134, so I'm going to be diving under when it comes to the spot. But I do think that Rodney Chapman being back out there for Vanderbilt is going to be a big difference maker. I'm looking to lay four when it comes to Vanderbilt in this spot. And when it comes to this Vanderbilt team, I think that they're going to be very interesting to look at moving forward because they are going to be without Liam Robbins once again in this game. He's someone that winds up coming in from Minnesota, a seven-footer that I actually think is going to be able to provide a lot of value with regards to this Vanderbilt team moving forward. And when it comes to Commodores, it's been very intriguing to take a look at them with regards to the way that their betting splits have wound up going because this is a Vanderbilt team that they have played out of their 12 games right now, seven to the under. For those of you guys that follow my New York Post picks, you know that this should be eight unders because that game against Temple was the biggest, we're going to use a tame term here, horse doo-doo over that I've ever seen in my life in which you wound up having 89 points scored with about 90 seconds left in regulation. An eight-point lead was blown. It goes to overtime, and then why is it going over and overtime? And gosh... That's one of the worst ones I've taken in a very long time. But this is a Vanderbilt team that they've been unexpectedly slow. I recall that Jerry Sackhouse was really looking to pump up the tempo a little bit when it comes to this team. It just has not happened due to the injuries that they've wound up sustaining. So I think that they're going to be an interesting team to take a look at moving forward. And just when it comes to college basketball in general, I think it's going to be very key to take a look at is this COVID information. Because, I mean, you just wound up hearing it on air like 15 minutes ago. It wound up being announced in my ear that, Hawaii and Hawaii and Northern Iowa had been just canceled like literally minutes before. And I think that that's really the case in all these sports. I was talking about it a little bit at the top, just all the COVID-19 information that we are seeing coming to the forefront. It is that way in the NBA as well, because we're going to be hitting on the NBA a little bit more in the final segment or in the final segment of this hour. And then in the final hour, going to be hitting a little bit more on college football as we've got a bowl game that's going to be going down there. But even in college football as well, a big key with a lot of these bowl games and the way that they've been shaking down has been taking a look at guys who are in slash out of the fold. And I think that it's just paramount to be trying to take a look at this information. I've had a lot of people asking me, how do you wind up doing this? And nobody's going to be completely foolproof when it comes to this because I mean, there's just so many things that wind up happening at the last minute. You sort of get what you get. But I can tell you personally, I take a look at things like Rotowire. They do a good job of being able to take a look at injury information. You'll notice right here on VSIN on your screen, down below, you'll see a little bit of an injury ticker. We do a relatively solid job of being able to try to keep up with this as well. Don Best does a relatively good job. And every single one of these beat writers that follow these teams, whether it be college basketball, the NFL, if you're looking at the season, and hopefully we wind up getting a season, the MLB list goes on and on. They're all out there on Twitter. So I think that that is something that is very important to do. If you have a player in question, like 
say that you don't know if Scottie Pippen Jr. is going to be in the fold, which right now it looks like he's going to be in for Vanderbilt. But if you had questions with him, you just type them into the Twitter search bar. Typically, if he winds up being out of the fold, you're going to see something being like, oh, yeah, he's out of the fold. And that is a big way in which you're able to acquire a lot of this injury information. And now, unfortunately, COVID-19 information as well. So I think that that is going to be very important to take a look at. And it's going to be very important when it comes to these NBA games. We wound up hitting on a few in the first hour. Going to hit on a few more of the NBA games that we're going to be seeing on Christmas as well here on the other side as it is a nightcap right here on VSEN, the Sports Bank Network. A little bit of NBA coming up next. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. 
I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sign up for a play card, debit, MasterCard, and get paid faster than with a paper check with direct deposit. Always be ready with PlayCard. Visit PlayCard.com to apply. Subject to card activation and ID verification. Terms of cost apply. Card issued by Metabank NA. Member FDICS. We're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the nightcap with myself, Greg Peterson. And we've been taking a lot, a wide look at college basketball this last hour or so. How about if we give some love to the guys that wind up playing in the NBA? We've already taken a look at a few games that are going to be coming up for the NBA on Christmas Day, but how about if we take a look at what, in my opinion, is going to be the biggest one, the Warriors and the Suns. When it comes to the Suns, certainly has been a white-hot team, as hot as the Sun, if you will, and they're finding themselves right now about a six-point favorite in a lot of spots. So on this game, you're getting it between a 215 and a 215.5, and I think that there's good value here taking the six when it comes to the Warriors. Now, when it comes to the Warriors, this is a team that they are dealing with some backcourt injuries. If you're looking for a little bit more of depth, Moses Moody is still going to be out the fold for the team, and that does become a little bit more important because you take a look at this team, and now you're going to be dealing with Jordan Poole along with Andrew Wiggins dealing with injuries. Now, there is a chance that you might be getting Andre Iguodala out there. He has been ruled now day-to-day, so he is questionable for this game, even if he does wind up playing, though, as we know, this is not the Andre Iguodala of old. He is up there in years at age 37, so you got to figure that Gary Payton II is going to need to have a big game in this one, and Gary Payton the second has been a really good find for the Warriors. The reason why I do feel like Steve Kerr deserves to be coach of the year, I want actually looking at those odds on the look at yesterday, for some of you guys actually today, but with that said, a big reason why I do think that he deserves coach of the year is just the way that he's been able to mix and match with so many of these guys, like Gary Payton the second has been relatively effective for the team. I mean, the last game that he wanted playing against Memphis, he wanted being able to give the team 22 points. Whenever he's been given minutes, this guy's been able to emerge. He's shooting right in the neighborhood of about 50 or about 41% from three-point range. So he has certainly been able to knock down his outside shots. He has been exactly what the team has needed with regards to a depth piece. Even someone like a Juan Toscano Anderson, who you got to figure is probably going to be seeing a few more minutes in this one. He has been able to step up in a big way. This has been a team that has held on the fort all season long. James Wiseman being out of the fold. They've also been dealing with, obviously, the injury to Clay Thompson. It seems like he's getting closer and closer to returning. But, I mean, really, you're betting on Seth Curry here. And I think that Seth Curry deserves to be the MVP. He has been showing time and time again just how amazing he is. 30-plus points in each of the team's last three games. Wound up going off for 46 in that win against Memphis. And, 
you got to feel like he's going to be motivated because we all recall a few weeks ago, the Suns wound up being able to take down the Golden State Warriors. They actually wound up playing two games in like a four-game span, and the two teams wound up splitting those games. But when you take a look at the Phoenix Suns, this team has been, I mean, look, we're going to call it what it is, incredibly stinking hot to this point. Devin Booker wound up missing a few games for this team, but ever since he's been able to return, it has been tremendous for this team. He's been able to give the team at least 24 points in each of the last two games, and for that matter, at least 24, and now three out of the last four. So it looks like he's back to the form of old after he was dealing with a little bit of an ailment, and Chris Paul just does such a great job of being the good floor general for this team not turning the ball over, giving out right around 10 assists per game. So he has been absolutely superb. Now, I know that the good guys over there behind the scenes, they put together this just very interesting, I guess you could call it compilation of what Steph Curry has done on Christmas. And he's actually been really bad on Christmas. He's got a three and five record, his teams do. He's been averaging 13 points per game, shooting 20% from three-point range. These are the trends I just don't put anything into. I mean, we wind up seeing some of these trends when it comes to just whatever sport you're handicapping where it's like, oh, Team X is 3-5 and five when the weather is below 50 degrees. Player X is wearing his lucky underwear, and it's like, you got to be kidding me. What difference does it make if a game is played on, like, a Thursday versus a Friday? What difference does it make if the game is played at 7 o'clock rather than 8 o'clock? What difference does it make when it's like December 22nd versus December 25th? Because if it were December 22nd, Steph Curry's on fire. But every December 25th, he just decides to go into a spoon for a day and eat cookies or something like that. And I don't know. I mean, there's some people that I wind up putting into it more than others. And when it comes to sports betting, I typically am not a trends guy. I am always a big proponent of you're betting teams. You're not betting or you're betting numbers. You're not betting teams. And when it comes down to it, it's all about the number that you wind up having when it comes to even money line sports. Because when you do wind up getting some of those big chalky money lines, when it comes to favorites and underdogs, that certainly does sway you. You wind up taking a look at the long-term picture there. But in something like this, I certainly do think that just chalking it up as to Christmas Day games. And I believe that Steph Curry has only played in truly six Christmas Day games. So it's not like you've necessarily got the world's biggest sample size ever. I just don't necessarily read a lot into that, shooting 30% from the floor. But I do think that it is going to be a case in which Steph Curry is going to be able to redeem himself on Christmas. I think that there's going to be no lump of coal for anyone who winds up putting in their stocking with the Warriors plus six. And when it comes to the total, I think it's going to be really intriguing because we've just seen it with the NBA this season. Totals have been all over the place because you wind up seeing them in the first month of the season hitting at north of a 60% clip. If you're looking overall this season, unders are hitting at a 53.2% clip. You've seen 250 unders, 220 overs, and obviously you wind up having a few pushes along the way as well. But if you take a look at the last 30 days in the NBA, you've been noticing a little bit more of an over binge as we have seen 113 overs, so 95 unders. So that is about 54.3% of games. Going over, it seems like players have really been able to adopt to these rules. It seems like they've been able to do a good job of being able to recognize, okay, here's the way that we've got to be attacking things. And I do think a little bit has to do with some of these guys just being out of the fold and the defense wind up being a little bit more lax. Now, when it comes to Golden State Warriors, 
This has been a team that has been tremendous on defense. If you take a look at Osbiel, the win, Defensive Player of the Year, Draymond Green is right now leading the way, and rightfully so. This guy has been absolutely amazing. Fear of the 10 points per game, but he gives you eight rebounds. He gives you seven assists, so he chips in in a wide variety of ways. Then you take a look at this Phoenix Suns team, and they are going to be relatively locked and loaded in this game. They've been dealing with an injury to Abdel Nader, but I mean, if you're looking at things and thinking that Abdel Nader is going to be making too much of a difference, I will respectfully disagree with you, but... With the Warriors, don't know if they're necessarily going to be able to pull this one off outright. And as I was talking about in the first hour, when it comes to the NBA, betting in-game, I think, is truly your friend in a lot of these spots. Especially when you do wind up having a lot of moving parts. We've got a lot of injuries when it comes to the Warriors. But I take a look at the six in this spot with the Warriors. And I would lean a little bit more to the under. But with totals, it's something that I don't really want to be diving into too much pre-flop with regards to the NBA. Just because we have been seeing them be very up and down. This year, to say the least. Something that has also been very up and down. The Boston Celtics. As they're going to be playing against the Milwaukee Bucks. When it comes to the Bucks, they have been dealing with quite a few players in health and safety protocols. But even with that, they are a 7-point favorite. And the total that you're finding on this game, right now in a lot of spots, right around a 221 As we know with the Milwaukee Bucks. The heart and soul of this team is one Giannis Antetokounmpo. Very good news is that he was cleared from health and safety protocols. Which is why... You got the line where it is right now. If Giannis was not in the fold, obviously we'd be seeing the Bucks probably as a favorite still, but maybe much more of a slight favorite in this game. And I think that he just makes all the difference in the world for this Milwaukee Bucks team. They're still going to be dealing with not having Dante DiVincenzo out there, but I mean he really is a straw that stirs a drink. You saw the Milwaukee Bucks actually in the few games without him play very solidly, and I do think that that is going to be big for this team moving forward because you were able to have. A few guys be able to emerge for the team. You wind up having wind up getting his heart, which I always think that that's intriguing. But what has been a big X factor for the Milwaukee Bucks, Demarcus, aka Boogie Cousins. He's been able to give the team in the games that he's been out there. He's been able to play right around eleven of them. He's been chipping in there right around eight and a half points, five and a half rebounds per game. He has been rock solid for the team the last few nights as he has been able to give the team a combined forty points and sixteen rebounds in the last two games. So. That has been, in my opinion, a very, very good pickup for this Milwaukee Bucks team. And then you take a look at the Boston Celtics, and they're just too reliant on Jason Tatum. And Jason Tatum is a tremendous player. He gives you north of five rebounds, five assists, 25-plus points per game. But the Celtics just need to find other options for this team. Now, the good news is they have been dealing with a couple of injuries themselves. Jalen Brown is back out there, so that certainly helps them out. Marcus Smart is just a guy that has always been a little bit of an enigma for me because he's never necessarily a great three-point shooter, but he's always very clutch with the three-pointers that he winds up hitting. So that has always been something that I think has been very intriguing. Go figure. He's shooting like 28% from distance once again. But I do think that having Brown out there is going to be able to help out this Boston Celtics team both in this game and moving forward. But what has been interesting about the Celtics as well is the fact that they did wind up sending Dennis Schroeder to the bench. Schroeder has been someone that has been very solid for this team this season, wound up getting into a little bit of a rut. And I just don't think that bringing him off the bench is necessarily the best option for him. We've seen him really struggle ever since they wound up making this transition. So I do think that the Bucks have the upper hand. Now that Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to be back in the fold for the Milwaukee Bucks, I think that it gives them the upper hand in this one. I'm going to be taking a look at the Bucks in some form or capacity. Hopefully they wind up getting down a little bit earlier. That way I'm able to get a bit of a better line there. So that is our number two of the book right here on the nightcap. Coming up next, we're looking at some college football right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.